good. And uh, <clears throat> gotta clear the throat. Gotta get ready. We haven't we haven't done one of these in two weeks. So uh, God, I'm getting nervous. Gotta re go go through everything. All right. So hope no one forgot us, but uh, we are still alive even with COVID. Um, we have Philip Hart with us today. Um, I'm gonna let you introduce yourself, and then we're gonna get moving on from there.
Um, we have coordinator positions and stuff, but um, I like being with a team and the day in day out grinds, uh, you know, the win losses, everything. You right. know, riding the roller coaster where when you're a coordinator, you know, you're overseeing employees, but you're not there every day at the ballpark. It, you'll be traveling and dealing with rehab guys. So Latin America, like going down to Dominican. Um, so it, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I get, get into the big leagues would be the goal. Uh, it, it, I've had a lot of opportunities to work with the big league guys and, uh, it's fun. It's really fun. It's, it's, it's cool to see the different levels because as they get older, they all have their routines. And I, I think that's, that's how you get up there, you know, by developing a routine and, uh, it's, I won't, I don't want to say easy, but it's, uh, it's a different experience working with the higher up guys because they, they kind of have a, a better idea what they want to do where the younger levels, it's more teaching you get to teach more, uh, all, all around everything, nutrition, uh, strength, lifting weights, uh, sleep. That's the big one with our guys. And yeah. Yeah. So something like that, like how would you explain then um, Yadier um, Molina's 2000 games? Is that just one of those like 0.001 percenters? Uh, you know, I don't know him personally. I, I'm, I'm sure he's got a great routine though. And you know, I think it's a learning experience too, as you go. Like so it's, it's crazy when you see some guys that they didn't have the work ethic when they first got drafted or first came over to the state, but something will happen either an injury or, you know, maybe a bad season and they'll decide, all right, I'm going to, you know, take the next step, make a change in my program. Maybe it's, they have complex year round and get better that way. As opposed to, you know, some guys, uh, honestly, Lakeland, uh, Florida is not the best the, the place to live for a lot of our guys. So that, that's the excuse we hear a lot is I don't want to live there year round. But um, if you want to be the best, you know, you, you got to work with the best. And I, I think we got a great staff and we got an awesome facility to, to lift weights at and run and everything to hit. So, um I, the, the, they'll reach a point in their career where they'll, they'll make that decision or, or they don't. And I think the guys that make the decision, usually they stand out. Uh, we got a guy right now that, you know, he, he came to strength camps for two years with Minnesota with us. And, and now he's, he, he, he hopped over the Tigers and uh, he's doing big things and he's young, but uh, I'd like to use that guy as an example. It's like, uh, you know, you got to put the work in and there's, there's several guys that are doing that right now, which is great to see. Awesome. Nice. So take us, um, I mean, like we, like I train baseball players now, but take us to like, what is a typical training look like when it comes to minor league? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you do for a typical uh, minor league level? Well, there's a lot of moving parts. So, um, and it, it differs by the, the year or um, by the season, I guess. So like spring training, like, and right now with COVID too, you know, guys will come in early in the morning, some of them, and they'll, they'll get their lift in before their day starts. And they also have their own um, corrective exercises they do based on our screening processes. And then they'll, um, they'll always have a, a stretch, like it's like mid-morning, like 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. They'll stretch, they'll do their on-field work. Um, then we start playing games too. So they'll play a game usually like one o'clock. And then so, so some guys will lift after the games too. But um, it, it kind of varies. And uh, with the younger guys, like I said, we, we kind of have a more structured, you know, you come in at this time, this amount of times per week. Uh, the older guys, it's a little bit more, you know, what, what do you think you need? And then it's, it's I, I call it more consulting. Like you meet with them and decide what they need. Uh, so if they, and I'm okay with it as long as it's not something completely uh, out in left field. Like uh, oh, I yeah. want to do or, you know, power snatches and stuff like that. Like, well, why do you want to do that? And, and you know, if you can give me a justification on why you want to do something that makes sense, then yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work it, we'll work with you. But yeah. So um, usually early mornings that they, they lift and they get that all done and then they'll have their warm up. And some guys too, they'll have like early skill work. So they'll, they'll be working with the hitting coaches or maybe they got a bullpen stuff like that to get ready. Uh, games but um yeah pretty much right now we have we're, we're building our pitchers up 
and then we'll start the season. I think our first game's May 4th. So getting ready to go, and then uh, we'll head north. And then it's – this year's crazy, too. It's six-game series, and then you have an off day on Mondays. So um, you'll only be playing four teams a month. So it, I think it's going to fly by. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your seasons are going to definitely fly by now. Um, did y'all have to do anything? I mean, like you mentioned COVID so many times. Uh, what what changes did y'all have to make due to COVID? Did, um, you know, I mean, you get a pretty much start from this past spring going into it because y'all didn't have y'all didn't have a season last year, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, pretty crazy how fast the world shut down, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it makes me think sometimes. I'm like, crap. Oh yeah, we didn't even have a summer last year. Like, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so we had winter meetings in December of 2019. Uh, we came back from that after the holidays. Guys that showed up early um, and took them. I think it was May 15th was the day we shut down. We're in the middle of big league camp. Our minor league guys just got there. They're only there for like a week. And uh, they decided, hey, like we're shutting down. Uh, and they, they originally told us, you know, I think it's only going to be a couple weeks. Turned into a month. And it turned into two months, and it turned into mid-July. Um, so what we started to do is the best we could, because no one was allowed on the facility or whatever, um, started filming home workouts they could do, field workouts they could do. And then we also wrote uh, a program if they had access to a, a facility, because all the guys were based in their hometown. So if they had a squat rack, you know, we wrote, wrote them a workout around uh, what they could do with a rack, a rack workout where some guys, you know, especially our, our younger Latin guys, no access to equipment. So, so what could we do? You know, and that, that included maybe, you know, loading a book bag up, wearing the book bag, doing lunge variations with it, step ups, um, water jugs, stuff like that. Yeah. So, See, that's we had to be wonder like how, how far can you go with body weight at that level? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the guys too, like if they had a low training age, I think it was great for them because you could switch tempos, work on eccentrics, isometrics, uh, basic plyometric progressions, stuff like that. That usually, like in the season, you don't get to work on because you're playing games so much. So it's like you got to kind of chill with stuff. So um, I, it's, it's amazing now, like fast forward to now, like a lot of guys took advantage of that time. They looked really good. Like they, they improved their body composition. They, they dialed in on their nutrition. Um, they, they found some good people to work with back home. And you can tell that we don't have many guys right now that just showed up in bad shape. But um, so, so that kind of happened in the summer. And then we started up spring training 2.0 with the big leagues because they wanted to get a season in. So then um, some guys headed north. Uh, I stayed down in Florida till... I think it was uh, August and then I went up to the alternate site they had an alternate site for the backup guys and they basically scrimmaged every day and uh, worked out and stuff so we had access to a facility we had testing all that stuff so uh, that worked out well but but at the same time you know you still got 200 plus minor leaguers that aren't allowed to do anything mm-hmm. so some of them played in like basically like independent leagues so they got some games in which was nice and uh it, then things started to open up. So then we had a, we didn't have to be as creative with the body weight workouts. You know, they had access to equipment and then uh, fast forward to now and now everyone's back. So it works. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, all right. So going it because it's funny because there's parallels. Uh, we actually had Joe Ken on here last month, I want to say. Yeah. And he pretty much said the same thing. Uh, just the parallels between, you know, uh, getting the training age of the athlete or how long the athlete has been in there versus how many snaps the athlete has will change to training. So with baseball, because we all do know there's a whole lot more standing around with baseball. There's not a whole lot of contact, uh, you know, you know, person to person contact. Do you change reps or anything like that with the training versus, you know, how much they play? Obviously a pitcher. Yes, because they're not going to pitch every single night. There's a, you know, your starters, your closers, you, you know, uh, your rotational guys. So do you change uh, versus how many times they actually play? Because positional guys, it's going to be the same positional guys night after night, no matter what. Yeah. So um, 
we've kind of flirted with the idea of microdosing with our guys. And I think that's, that's good at, you know, the, the upper levels, um, maybe have them come in and do three, three things with an emphasis each day, but they got to have intent behind what they're doing, but doing that, you know, four or five times a week where there's other guys, they'll do a full workout. And, um, in a perfect world, you know, what days they had off that week, but a lot of times you don't. So, uh, usually they come in in the morning this is a, a normal year. They'll come in at like say 10 AM or 11 AM, get their workout in, then go get lunch, uh, rest a little bit, take a nap, whatever. And they'll have a night game that night. But, um, this year with the restrictions, uh, first of all, we can't go to public gyms uh, on the road. So it's going to be all lifts at the stadium. So if you can get into say a visiting team stadium and lift, that's great but we had to plan for not being able to do that. So we're bringing kettlebells, weighted vests, TRXs, uh, make use of stadium stairs and sprinting, bounding, stuff like that. I really think at the end of the day, you can get strong by sprinting and jumping and doing those things. Um, and then while we're at home, we'll have a six game series at home. That's when we get our main lift in. So it's, it's going to be a little bit strategic this year, how we, how we work it out. But, um, Going back to your, your, your original question, um, it does vary by, by level, by training age. It, it varies by, I think another variable that people don't really think about a lot is like, what's the projection of the guy you got? Like, is he going to be in the big leagues in two years versus you think maybe it'll take him five years to get there? So like a guy that needs to be up there quicker, he obviously needs to focus more on baseball and less on weights. But um, it's nice to have some of the younger guys because you, you get time to develop them and, and get them bigger. And it, it's, it's, it's fun when you see, you know, a young Latin guy we had that's a 17 year old and now he's 22 and you know, he's added a bunch of lean body mass and he likes coming in the gym. Like maybe, maybe first, first year he's very hesitant because uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's in a new country uh, working with, you know, uh, American guys. So yeah. Uh, it's fun to see the the growth with those guys, but um, and then then I'll say the other thing too is it, the funny story. Like my first year, I remember FMSing guy, and I had a guy on my team that was fresh out of high school, uh, catcher, and then I had a guy that played four years college, and then it was like I think his second year or third year in pro ball, and he goes, "Well, why is the young guy got such a better score than me at overhead squat and stuff?" I said, "Like, look at the mileage you put it on your body." And you, you played four years college, a couple four years of um, pro ball. This guy just played high school ball. I said, eventually, like, probably he's, he's going to be just like you. But right. he's, he doesn't have the mileage on the car yet, you know. So um, I think as they get the age, too, the program needs to change, focusing more on mobility stuff, correctives, where the younger guys, it's mostly they come in, they're, they're weak. Uh, especially, I keep bringing up, you know, Dominican stuff, but, like, they're really good at football, but they have no training age in the weight room. Right. The, um, you have to – okay, so you know, like you said, you got a lot of different Latin guys. So was one of the requirements uh, learning Spanish, or did you just learn it along the way, or do you, do you have a translator? So I'm going to be honest. I'm not very good with it. Uh, I, I can say the basic stuff, and they'll understand that the, the young Latin guys, they have to take English class over here, so, so they learn – English, but it's a lot of visual learning. So, you know, I point to my eyes and tell them how I want to do a rep versus how I don't want to want them to do a rep. I haven't really found that much of a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it works pretty well. I was actually kind of surprised, but there's so many apps nowadays to like, uh, like Duolingo you can use and learn basic phrases and stuff, or just have them teach you. Like they, they like, they like, uh, when, when you kind of say something wrong and then they can laugh at it and then like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also I, this is different than my, my staff with Minnesota, but our, our staff with Detroit, we got, uh, three guys that are very fluent in Spanish, two guys from Venezuela. And then we just hired a new guy too. So, um, and then we, we got trainers on staff too, that also speak Spanish and coaches. So, yeah. um, they're, they're surrounded by it. it I think they're comfortable here because they got a lot of guys they can reach out to if they have questions and stuff. So um, it's, it's been, a, I think it's a really good fit over with Detroit. So I know my, awesome. my, 
my question is going to be more for the more towards like the high school age kids because that's really a lot more what we're seeing right now in the facility um, until some of the kids we have now you know start transferring back in during summer and off season um, I know my my biggest thing and it's looking through a lot of these like Facebook groups and stuff people ask for like professional advice and all these things is when from what you've seen as a strength coach you know growing up and being in baseball for so long when it comes to pitchers learning certain pitches outside of like a change up and a fastball when do you feel that is that appropriate age to start putting that kind of torque on the elbow yeah i mean that's kind of out of my area of expertise uh, i've never i was never a pitcher even growing up i played middle infield and um I, I think there is a rush with kids nowadays where yeah. they, they, like, I mean, probably now, and, and I don't work with or anything, but I, people are familiar with rap Soto and driveline and all this stuff. Um, and that, that, that this is the world we live in is, is people don't want to get good at the basics. I, I remember I was at Eric Cressy's facility. He was giving a presentation and he said, like, you shouldn't be throwing a weighted ball until you can do a proper, you know, lunge. You know, and there's a lot of guys out there now, I think, that are skipping that step and they just want to go to, you know, the sexy stuff and whether that be a new pitch or a new training method. But it's like get good at the basics. And I tell people that all the time, like if, if you get if you de develop a base in the weight room and you're doing things the right way, long toss and stuff like that, you're setting yourself up for success. And the other thing is taking time off. I, I think nowadays, too, with all these travel leagues and stuff, it's pretty much turned into year round baseball. And I, I don't think that's necessarily good for the body either. I think uh, it's, it, I'm a big firm believer in, you know, multiple sports, play, playing different sports uh, and giving the brain a break from a sport. So you're not thinking about baseball all the time. Let them, you know, dabble with basketball or wrestling or, or whatever else. Um, I think now we're, we have a lot of single sport athletes and I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing it, everyone thinks they're going to get that scholarship, but um you can have a lot of fun playing other sports too and learning how to do different skill sets. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, in detail, I would say, I don't know, high school age maybe. Um, yeah. Starting to play around with pitch design and stuff. Um, maybe like 10th grade, 11th grade, but I'm not an expert in that. That's just kind of. Yeah, I mean, I was just talking more of like the anatomical side when they when when they start actually growing into their body and they go through like puberty and everything and trying to actually have the strength in their ligaments and tendons to be able to handle it rather than, you know, seeing some of these kids that are like, I mean, I've read some of these posts in some of these groups and, you know, these kids are like 12, 13 years old and they're like, oh, he's been working on a, on a, um, on a curve ball for the last two years and I'm thinking a kid's going to blow his elbow out. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where I, it's more of like a, um, a programming question more or less like, you know, kind of how you're saying like some of the guys coming in, their training age is so low and that's a, you know, not the same idea with the skill set, but with the lifting and that side, it's just, you know, I feel like sometimes, like you're saying, we're trying to accelerate way too fast instead of falling in love with, you know, the first step. Yeah, I, I just – I really believe in you, sh you should build the, the volume, like, smart. Uh, it, I remember, you know, when I played travel ball, wasn't really a thing. I, I only played one year of travel ball. It was my redshirt freshman year of college. So I sat out the whole season. And I needed to get some games under my belt. So I played about, I think, 70 games that summer. But now you hear about kids, you know, they play – let's just say they, they start – Michigan, you know, they don't start till March, April. But – uh say so they play 35, 40 games there. Then they play summer ball a few games. And then they play on their travel team, 50, 60, 70 games. And then they play fall ball. And then maybe they're doing showcases or, uh, you know, flying down to Georgia or Florida to play in the wintertime. And then you look at it and they haven't really taken any time off. And then, you know, not saying they'll break right away when they do that, but maybe maybe they do great in high school and they get drafted and then they come to us and it's like their first year they're they're shot because they haven't had a um and so that you see it all the time with, with there's people that i was uh walking by the other day and i heard there's a travel ball team and they're talking about how 
their kid through a hundred and something pitches that game. And I'm thinking, well, is that the smartest? Like how, how many, how many outings has he had to build up to that too? So uh, that, that's one thing I think we do a really good job of and the pro ball is building our guys up and that's, you know, credit to our pitching coaches and pitching staff. So. What do like, okay. So the controversy, a lot of times that I get, when I get some uh, baseball player, what are your thoughts on Olympic lifting? There are some coaches that are with it. Some coaches are against it. I'm more on the side of doing pulls. I will do cleans, you know, obviously just power cleans. I'm not going to teach the whole like full clean life. They're Olympic lifter, only if they're a position player, obviously not pitchers themselves, but what is your take uh, being actually in the, uh, the minors and uh, working with these guys? What is your take when it comes to Olympic lifts? Do you use them? Do you not use them? Or what is your supplemental lift if you don't use them? So since I've been in baseball, uh, pro ball for this season, like I said, I've had two guys do them total. Mm -hmm. And with, you know, 200 plus guys a year. And uh, basically both the guys like doing them. They did them in college. They were like pretty familiar with them and they were good at them. Like if they weren't good at them, I'd tell them not, not to waste your time doing them, but right. um, I'm open to it. I think there's other ways you can get to the same, you know, end result. Uh, I'm, I'm very big at that. I think there, there is a lot of uh, derivatives you can use, you know, the, the clean pole and from different positions and from blocks and stuff like that. Uh, but the, the main thing I see with, with a lot of guys in baseball is they never develop that base. I go back to that, mm -hmm. you know, they stronger at the compound lifts you get strong at deadlift and get strong at squatting um oh another thing i'll say is like i, I think there's kind of controversy on anything overhead and i think there's overhead stuff that's great overhead squatting i think that's great it, i mean we do the fms test where it's an overhead squat but we you know how, how often do, does teams load a barbell overhead and squat they don't do that so i think that's a great move pressing overhead i, I think it's okay as long as you, you know, have the mobility to do it. That's the other issue. There's some guys that they shouldn't be pressing overhead. So it's, it's really dependent on the guy. Um, and, and I guess if, if that's kind of your, your background, then yeah, coach it up. But I don't think you need it. Uh, especially after working with Cal at Minnesota, you know, that they don't, that they're not doing power cleans and stuff over there that they develop power ways. But yeah. There, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And, um, uh, and then you got to think about the risk versus reward too. You know, if that they don't got the proper mobility and that they do a power clean, a heavy power clean, and it comes down on the wrists and then they're out for a month. Right. So. Exactly. No, yeah. I, I wanted to touch on that because I know, uh, like I have more of an Olympic background powerlifting too, but I know you have more of a powerlifting background. So I wanted to see what the difference is. You know, obviously we agree with the overhead movements. You know, you, you got to kind of have that overhead movement because it's, the, you know, the stability and the core work that's involved with doing some things that are overhead um cleans i can go back and forth with but i'm i've taken the part now i'm like if the coach don't want me to do them i'm not doing them. don't waste my time there's other, like you said there's other ways to be explosive we can do jumps we can do kettlebell swings we you know and there's so many other things that we can get the hips involved and learning how to load and you know use the uh, triple extension either way um but i just definitely wanted to see what your take was it on it and what you actually use right now. And I'm, I mean, the other thing to look at too, like with my setting, it, a lot of these guys, I don't see till they show up for spring training. So they're basically in season. So it's like, do I really want to spend my time trying to get them efficient, clean right. or, you know, so. You're just uh, working on longevity at that point. You're just making sure they can last the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. And build, building the volume, up, like I keep talking about, like, I think that's very important. Uh, not coming in and crushing them the first week because they got so many different stressors going on in their lives. You know, uh, you look at their days, so all of a sudden they're at the ballpark every day. Uh, it, you hear it all the time from our guys. I heard it the other day. Like we have a, a few guys that trained at pretty well-known well places this soft season. And uh, like, yeah, we came here. I, I didn't think I'd be sore that first week, but they're on their feet all day. That's another thing. Yeah. You know, you're on turf all day or the field. So, uh, yeah, you, you got to build the volume up and gradually do it. And the spikes, I think, recipe for disaster. Yeah. All right. So I've heard, I've been seeing this trend 
back and forth, and I've heard different arguments on it, um, how baseball players are the most athletic athlete. That's something I want to I want to kind of dissect, not not real quick, but I want to hear what what your thought is on that. So my thought is is I've worked with a lot of different sports, pretty much almost every sport besides maybe like rifle team or beach volleyball. Um, there's freaks in every sport. You know, we've had guys that like sign with us that had D one offers for basketball and stuff like that. So, um, it, but then we also have other guys that they're very good at throwing a baseball hard. That, that's all they're good at. So they don't move very well. It, it, there's all different ends of the spectrum. I wouldn't say they're the most athletic. Uh, there's certain people in the sport that are very athletic and there's others that are like, just hanging on, you know, you'll see some guys in the big leagues that have really terrible bodies that probably can't do anything well, but play their sport. And that's where, you know, I get in arguments with this all the time too. Like baseball is not a strength sport. It's a skill sport. They're good at their skills. They're good at their craft. And that's why like one of the, one of the points to the argument was, um, rotational athlete can be a non-rotational athlete but a non-rotational athlete can't be a rotational athlete saying like you know baseball could transfer skill wise could transfer to basketball basketball is not so much going to be able to a basketball athlete is going to be able to transfer to baseball the same way so they're going more on i guess the there's their athletic skill set not based off of a a lot of the other factors. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I just guess going back to my point I was saying earlier, just we might have a guy that uh, throws 100 miles per hour, but his vert's only a 13 or something, you know, like <sighs> how you do that. I think that comes back to, you know, sequencing and other factors. But look at something like that though it makes you wonder it's like well if i i do you know get him more athletic or, or put some muscle mass on him is it going to make him better or is he going to stay the same i think at the end of the day like it's going to make him more injury resilient i think i think that's that's a good way to look at it uh you can strengthen the muscles around the the joints i, I think that's good at the end of the day as long as you're not putting on too much muscle mass and then uh they don't have the mobility no more to get in the positions and sequence the correct way yeah i mean and even just to go off of what you were saying about you know just the, the the different body types i mean if we look at the majors you know one of the big guys that was that was pitching was you know bartolo cologne you know that the man knew how to use his body but then you shift to someone like aroldis chapman who's firing nothing but gas and is looks i mean it's just rail thin compared to cologne but they're both in a league of their own, you know, compared to what they do within their own position. It's funny you brought up uh, Cologne because, like, I was thinking of that when I was going to say it. I was like, I'm not going to name any names. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to look at. The other thing um, I think that's really interesting, and one of our other strength coaches when I was with Minnesota kind of gave a presentation on to the whole org. But he, he asked, like, the scouts, like, what do you look for? And they're all saying, you know, guys that are like at least six feet tall, 200 pounds. And then we started doing some research on like the top 100 players, like in different categories. Majority of them are over six foot tall, over 200 pounds. Uh, there's some outliers. You know, Dustin Pedroia was an outlier. Ichiro was an outlier. Uh, Jose Altuve, outlier. That guy, tiny, short. I shouldn't say tiny, short, shorts. Um, but yeah, the, the majority of the guys are they got pretty good bodies as far as that, like they're, they're built pretty well. And then, then you got some just monsters. Now you look at, you know, the, the judge stands and guys like that, like trout, big body guys. And there was, um, the, uh, giants starting pitcher, uh, Tim Lincecum. Was yeah. The guy that was not supposed to be able to do what he did, you know, yep. being five eleven and like one sixty five, one seventy to throw a 96 mile an hour fastball and then the very next pitch throw a, you know, 76 mile an hour curveball mm -hmm. was, wasn't supposed to happen. You know, it's the same idea as talking like when 
you know, Usain Bolt ran the hundred. Mechanically, yeah. it wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, though, like with guys like that too, though the the, the other area people don't factor in is like I'm just gonna say it, you know, when they take the mound, like I want a gamer on the mound. Those guys, you know, you're pretty consistent with what you get. Got mm-hmm. um, guys that get a little bit rattled in there, the the best up here. Uh, those are the guys you worry about. It, staying healthy, um, having good outings, stuff like that. But, uh, uh, you know, making the most of what, what God gave you basically, as far as your body and stuff. Uh, like I think once it comes a example of that, you know, he found a way to get it done and uh, everyone's a little bit different. And th- that's the other variables you got to look into it too, is like, uh, p- people always talk about FMS and say a guy's got a bad score and stuff, but like, maybe asymmetries are what make them really good at their sport. So really want to pull them back to neutral or you want a certain level of it. I think you have too much asymmetry. Yeah. That's going to be a bad thing, but uh, I think that that's what makes some of them good at their sport. Yeah. The same thing, like uh, say Deion Sanders, he was great at speed, but they said he was horrible, flexible, like yeah. flexibility wise. It was like when they started trying to stretch him out at uh, Florida state, so in his early, early years at Florida State, it was like, all right, we're just not going to stretch him anymore because when they were stretching him and making him do mobility work, he wasn't moving as well. Um, which, I mean, uh, that brings me to my next question. What, I mean, besides FMS, what else do y'all use as KPIs um, as far as when it comes to assessing guys, which I know you said you already pretty much get them already in the spring. Do y'all even even assess them at all? I mean, besides FMS or do is our, are y'all using Catapult? Y'all using any other things? to do so yeah um we have a pretty big assessment that we're building it still but um sfma the, the trainers use that um on base you basically on base you is a, a baseball specific assessment uh they have one for pitching and hitting and basically last year all the strength coaches athletic trainers and sports coaches got certified in it so we all know how to run the tests and uh Based on the, you know, that so, so there's one test where you look at external and internal rotation of the hips. So, and then you can kind of match it up with, you know, how they throw off the mound. And then there's certain correctives based off that. So we look at that. Um, we're starting to dabble into it more. I'm going to be honest, like I haven't done one since the certification course because we shut down right afterwards and uh, we had other areas we're focused on. Um, we have a sports scientist that does a really good job here. And we're looking at uh, force plate jumps. So, you know, looking at the counter movement jump, squat jump, looking at ratios where they should be, you know, the eccentric utilization ratio. Uh, we had a guy the other day, his pause squat jump was higher than his counter movement jump. So it's like, okay, like, <laughs> wise, like there's an issue going on. Like, could it be just the motor skill of jumping or, you know, is it something to do with this? He needs more plyometric work. So uh, we look at that. Um, we do a sprint test, look at uh, the 10 yard and 30 yard. So um, we did that the other day, actually. Oh, so y'all don't even do the 60 at all? No, 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 no. Uh, I think that's kind of, uh, that's going away in baseball. And I think that's great. I think that's a, you really think about it. They never do 60 yards line. Right. You can make the argument maybe guys go over 30 in outfields or going for a ball in the gap or something. But uh, mm-hmm. now that, that's kind of went away. And the other thing to really think about, too, is like it's an acceleration-based sport. So right. accelerate to first base and, and then you factor in curvilinear stuff, too. So they're constantly turning. So they never get that top-end speed. So it's like we, we don't even uh, – that's more of a scout test that guys want to do is a six-year dash. But – yeah, we strayed away from that. And then uh, the other area that I'm not a part of, uh, we're, we're looking at catapult data now with guys. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but uh, yeah, they're, they're looking at that. I've done things in the past where it's very subjective, but I look at accelerations per game. So it just makes you look at the game a little bit differently. Like I'll keep track of, you know, my starting nine or starting eight play, uh, position guys. And uh, how many sprints they have a game. And that's kind of, like I said, subjective up to me. But mm-hmm. what I, 
I've collected data on that for over three years now. And if there's a major spike, which I'll say like, you know, one and a half times or a major drop off of let's say half, uh, that's when soft tissue injuries start to happen. So uh, I collected data for three years on that and I'm gonna start doing interventions with that now, whether it be maybe getting guys out for an extra sprint session or more recovery work, like a, a mobility routine and foam roll, stuff like that. But um, yeah, so, so the, I got that idea from my buddy uh, that, that worked with us and we started doing it and it makes you look at the game a different way. You start noticing, well, this guy was backing up a base. I never really realized, you know, he ran, let's say 15, 20 yards to go back up that base. So that's an extra sprint in the game. So, um, but yeah, I think the, all that stuff factors in. And then, you know, that they, they're using all the sports tech too now. So the, the rap soda units, um, K vest, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, with, since you did work with Cal Dietz, uh, did you, did you learn RPR? Like the whole, um, the flexible uh, performance reset? Yeah. So I took the level one and we had a lot of downtime there as you know, we only had, you know, men's and women's hockey and they were in season when I was there. Mm-hmm. So they took us through that, uh, pretty interesting stuff uh, i haven't used much of it lately but uh and uh, th- that there becomes an issue too where like a- am i allowed to do that uh because i'm not like a licensed volunteer or athletic trainer or whatever so right kind of, now i'll show guys how to do it on themselves if they want but um i've only had i think like two or three players that even known what it was mm-hmm. but it is interesting because then you can talk to them about it because they, they've done some research but yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, we took a level one course while I was there. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I've been I've been thinking about dabbling into that, and I see um, Jr. Uh, has his his facility does it uh, where they have the, they host the certification as well, and it's just like trying to just figure out like different things to just help our athletes out. Because um, <clears throat> you know we are a private facility, so I'm trying to you know bring the best that we can bring uh, to them. Uh, but then when I start looking at some other stuff and I'm like, all right, well, if we can't get them to figure out how to eat right or sleep or, you know, just regular stretch, why am I going to overload them with this too? <laughs> so I, yeah. end up, you know, start taking it away. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I, you mentioned this earlier, but like, how is, is it still like training collegiate athletes when you said, you know, making sure they know how to eat, making sure they know how to sleep and stuff like that? Like, are is it technically, it's not really your job, but like as a strength conditioning coach, it always ends up being another hat that we wear. How do you check in on that? Like what, what is your process of, you know, because these are grown men, they, they, they're doing what they want to do, but they also want to, you know, they have to follow you because they want to play baseball. So I was very fortunate enough when I was in Minnesota to have a full-time dietitian and uh, we'd basically book time for her to, you know, talk about something every day. So they'd work out and then, we'd have a group session and chat about something, whether it be fruit, veggie. We took grocery tours with guys in the off season, stuff like that. So it was really good. Uh, with Detroit, we don't have a full-time dietitian. So um, we have to reach out to her and then she'll give her insight or the players will reach out to her. Um, so I'm stri- trying to take it a little bit more upon myself. I started this right before spring training this year, but uh, you're probably familiar with you know the faster – Oh yeah. I don't, we use that Colson. They use that Missouri and stuff. So I don't want to say steal from them and adapt uh, my own. <laughs> and I think that would be great for, you know, our off season strength camps with our younger guys to kind of get them to like start looking at food in a different perspective and sleep and hydration levels and all that. But basically right now, uh, you know, I'll bring it up and stretch and be like, Hey, like, what did you have to eat last night? And then you'll have the one guy that says, oh, I went to Chick-fil-A and I just crushed. And I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah. well, <laughs> feel today. How do you feel? Like, well, I've been on the toilet three times. <laughs> With that, you know? So, uh, and having good little talks like that. And that, then you start to get, it's cool. Some of them, that they'll actually come up to you and be like, you know, I, I didn't eat as much or I ate earlier that night and things like that but the the one thing i've been preaching right now and this because it's so hot down here is you know make sure you get that, that water in you all day long and wait or die yeah there's no 
excuse not to because we have so many like water is so accessible here like with water bottles and stuff so i'm like hey do those with you you know take two walk to your next station drink them so i'm um, just kind of being on top of the guys for that stuff that's awesome um as we're getting closer to the end because yeah we got like 10 minutes left um is there anything out there that you want to talk uh like you know tell young coaches out there uh when it comes to learning their path with strength conditioning or any baseball players out there that could be listening to this is there anything that you want to tell them um as far as like how to get to that next level and all that so strength coaches like uh like i want to say this for a long time but you know you you're going to have to work for free a lot and you're going to apply to a lot of jobs and not hear back from them, but uh, don't give up. That's the big thing. I, I remember on my old laptop, I had all my cover letters saved and I had like, it was like 200 of them. Yeah. And I only had like four interviews from that 200 and I'm thinking, damn, I'm never going to get a job in this field. Like just, but you know, but building connections is, is a big thing. Going to conferences, uh, read like Facebook, social media, stuff like that. Like, that's great. Like I can't imagine back in the day, like when there was less positions and there wasn't social media, like now, like, like if I want to talk to, you know, the head person somewhere, I can just shoot them a message and usually they'll respond like it quicker than an email. So oh yeah, um, reach out to people, be, be respectful and deal with it though too. Like, like that don't, uh, you know, from your, your private email account or your, uh, public email account. That's like Joe Schmo at, hooterswins.com or something like that, you know so like like be professional with it and uh to see if you can get an opportunity somewhere I, I was fortunate enough uh i finished playing college baseball and we hired our first ever strength coach so i just walked across the street basically said hey can i like shadow and stuff so i did that and there's another guy in the area at a rival school that like became one of my biggest mentors and i worked for him for about seven months and he had a connection somewhere else. And then I, I was working at a private gym. He had a connection somewhere to coastal. So, um, again, kind of basically everywhere I've worked, there's been a connection from another spot. And then you start to realize, you know, the field's not that big. Like everyone kind of knows each other to, in some realm, like they've heard of each other. Right. So just reach out to people and, and every job you see, like, doesn't hurt to send an email, send your resume in. Cause you never know, you know, they might be in a situation where they need somebody tomorrow. And, uh, uh it, it, I'll say that with baseball is like the amount of turnover I've seen since like I've been hired in in baseball is crazy. So people are always taking other positions and stuff. So there's always positions open. So apply for every job, uh, be respectful to people and, and reach out and, and ask for advice. They, they, there's somebody that can give you some advice on things. So that's what I do. And then, um, Young baseball players, uh, find a CSCS uh, strength coach in your area and train with them. They're stronger. Uh, looking back at my own training when I was like, you know, in high school and stuff, is I got terrible sleep. I played a lot of video games. Um, I didn't. Well, I, I played in college at uh, 150 pounds, and I'm sitting at 220 now. Not the best weight now, but uh, uh, like I'm a window where you know you could really grow and you put some work in but the the education back then like when I was going through it was like like very minimal that now, now I feel like the social media and everything like you can follow like all these gurus online and they have good stuff uh like a, a good baseball guy that Zach DeCant at TCU he posts good stuff all the time I'm always TCU you know, program is phenomenal oh yeah it's it's great and then then like obviously like the Eric Cressy's the world stuff like that you you know, it, it, I think you can learn from everybody, whether it be good or bad, too. So um, be skeptical about stuff because there's a lot of stuff online, too, that isn't the best. But um, there's a lot of good information online, podcasts, everything else. So, yeah, just uh, if, if, you, if you really want, want it, it'd become a master of your craft and study, study it up. Now, that's awesome that you said it because, you know, a couple of things, you know, you're you're another person that has said that no matter how many cover letters you make you may only get you know 10 percent, maybe 10 percent. and you know what actually maybe five percent of the would get you actually get a phone call back from uh we i mean we all have the similar stories i uh i actually just pulled up my computer and i was looking 
and I was like, yeah, I had about like 200 cover letters. Um, you know, they all say about the same thing, but you know, you had to change the coach's name and all that other stuff. Um, or, you know, change your objective or, or whatnot. It could be a different position whatever it may be. But like, and I probably got three, uh, three callbacks. Um, and, you know, that landed me to Georgia Southern to get in that GA position and then, you know, so on and so on. Um, and now, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest things that I instill in my interns that I have now. It's like, take this, take this opportunity, you know, because you're going to learn a lot. You're going to, and they see it now because they're like talking to their classmates and they're like, oh yeah, we're learning way more than our other classmates are doing. They're only just like cleaning or they're doing this. Or doing. I'm like, yeah, y'all get to have a little bit of fun. You know, I'll let y'all play the PlayStation you know, whatever, but, you know, we still learn, you know, there's still like, there's time to actually learn stuff and y'all going to learn so much more. Um, and, you know, you're obviously you're up earlier than most people too, but. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, too, with that, like I was just saying research, um, research where you want to intern too. Like if, if you're like really curious about Olympic lifts, go to somewhere where they do them. Um, yeah. I was the, like, I look at my background when I was like intern different places and basically, you know, I worked at some division twos because they're close to me when, when I didn't have any money. And then uh, I went to Coastal based on a connection and I really wanted to work with football and baseball, get some experience there at the college level. And then from there, I worked at Michigan. They're very weight room or uh, weightlifting based. So got to learn, you know, like power clean progressions and stuff like that. Got to learn how to spot correctly, stuff like that. And then I went to Missouri and it was, you know, you got the velocity-based training there. You got a great staff, you know, Pat Ivey, uh, Brian Mann, Josh Stoner was there, uh, Ryan Jackson, Andrew Paul, all those guys, great people, uh, all a little bit different. They all had different niches and, you know, either picking their brain or just observing in general, there, there's so much going on. Uh, and I think that's how you, you become well-rounded, you know, based on these people you learn under. And there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, but uh, do some research on where you go and like why you're going there. Cause there's a lot of good coaches out there all over the place. Yeah. Um, oh, we had Bryce on a couple weeks ago. So before we go, we're supposed to ask you about eating a sandwich contest or any eating contest that you've had. So how did those go? <laughs> I forgot that. I'm glad you remember. I, yeah, I totally forgot about it. And I, it just hit me. <laughs> that was a uh, very short lived. Uh, basically, before I went to Coastal Carolina, uh, there was one night I went to Qdoba and I ate a burrito. And we always joked around me and my buddies about, could you eat two burritos? So I was like, yeah, I can do it. So I did it. And I was like, how many people have ate three burritos? And one of my buddies is working the cash register there. And he's like, I've only seen it like once. And I'm going like, well, I'm kind of curious. And he goes, well, if you eat it, uh, I'll give it to you for free. So I did it. I did the whole thing. I ate three Kidoba burritos. Uh, that was powerlifting days too. Uh, but anyways, so I went to Coastal and, and like my Instagram handle back in the day too was Burrito Slayer. So they wanted to know that story. And then it turned into how many like silly like challenges they could get me to do. It was Taylor Jones is behind it all. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we went to uh, this place in Myrtle called Hot Diggity Diner, and they had this uh, this burger challenge. And it was this, this, it was like, what was it? It was like four grilled cheeses with like, or maybe it was five grilled cheeses with like a, a bacon cheeseburger in between each one, and then like a pound of fries. Well, we roll up. It's me, Taylor, uh, Dan Medrick, and uh, uh, Antoine was there. And they're like, we're going to try this challenge. And like, I ended up throwing up all over the place. And then like two days later, it was like national chicken wing day. So we went to Hooters and they're like, how many wings can you eat? And then it turned into, let's go try the Fuddruckers challenge. And I ended up telling them, no, I'm not doing any more of these. Like I'm done with this. But uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was the, the, the thing that got them through the summer, I think, is making me try to puke all the time and do all these crazy <laughs> food challenges. No, I was just, I just looked it up and Hot Diggity Diner is actually permanently closed. So I was about to make Ant go do the challenge too, but because he likes no, you eat more than me. So I'm just saying. Dude, I mean, I, I may be do that. Uh -uh. I mean, I may be like a little over two seventy, but there's no way I could eat because I remember that picture because yeah. I was at Georgia Southern and I saw this picture and everybody's like, "Hey, Phil's gonna eat this," and I'm like, "Dude, just looking at this picture alone, I'm gonna throw up." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of peer pressure back then, too, because you, you got to think about too, my first like legit internship. Mm. And I want to impress everybody. And I don't know if that's the right way to impress people, but uh, like, you know, it's kind of hard to not try it when, you know, the director, the football director's there, you know, and, you know, at Taylor and I obviously like, oh, you can't do it. Like, you're a fraud, and, like saying stuff like that to me. And uh, I actually ate the whole sandwich, but it was the fries that got me with it. So, but yeah, they, they gave me a shirt that said I was a loser and stuff for the challenge. Hot diggity. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, that is it. That's all we got. I'm glad you was able to join us, man. I appreciate it. Um, you, well, actually, you were supposed to wrap up our season a podcast but we're actually going to have to redo coach floyd's due to uh time zone changes so uh we're actually going to have coach floyd in a couple weeks right next week oh, that'll be two weeks two weeks two weeks yeah right. i was gonna say i thought it was may 2nd um but yeah so so we'll have coach floyd um in a couple weeks um but i'm glad you was able to come in with us i hope y'all have a great season um you know I uh, hope y'all can get as far as y'all can get uh, and there's no other distractions or anything like that, man. And congrats to you on all um, all your different levels that you've been through and whatever you get to next as well, man. I appreciate it. Keep grinding. It's been fun catching up and uh, tell Coach Floyd I said hello. Uh, I'll have to tune in for that one. There'll be some, some knowledge bombs there. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's what I can't wait for. Cannot wait for that. Well, until next time, everybody uh, listening, watching, we will see you later. Peace.